Hi, and welcome to Mean. I'm Ryan Huber, and joining me as always is Nicholas Seagraves. Hey, Nick. Hey, Ryan. And joining us from the booth from the other side of the universe is Richard Deal. Hey, Rick. Hey, guys. Today, we're going to talk about something very complex, multifaceted, multi-layered, confusing, sometimes disorienting, China. I'm going to let that sink in. China. So China is not only a plate that your grandmother wants you to hold or put in your garage, it's mm -hmm. also a country. It's a country with something like 2 billion people. Pretty sure it was a wrestler as well. <laughs> yes, a female wrestler, yes. Also, a tradition, a cultural heritage, if you will, that is at least 3,500 to 4,000 years old. So, it's got breadth. It's got depth. It's got drama. It's got it, gently. It's got gently. It's got walls and balls and fire and jungles and pandas and fish and bats and all sorts of things and we're here to talk about it because people not enough people are talking about china and that's the bottom line yeah the bottom line is not enough people are talking about china china has been the forgotten man or woman i think or... it's completely accurate i've been on reddit every single day I can't remember the last time anyone's talked about China. I mean, what are they even up to these days? Where are they now? Who can say? The liberal media. Exactly. <laughs> the liberal mainstream media don't want to talk about where China has gone since its heyday yeah. in the <clears throat> something dynasty. Sure. Probably the Han dynasty, perhaps. Probably not. Genghis Khan? No, thank you. Exactly. I'd have gone Ming dynasty myself. Ming, Ming yes, Ming vases. Um, there were invaders. There were pretenders. There were invaders again. <laughs> there were long marches. There were cultural revolutions. There were great leaps forward. There were all sorts of things. There was, there were emperors and warlords and princes and other warlords. There was communism and then not quite communism and then capitalism and a lot of other things. But here we are, mm -hmm. and here we stand. And you know, what do we even do with it? How do how do you solve a problem? like china yeah Nick, Such a classic question nick yeah. how do you solve a problem first of like all china? i love yes and no questions in 100 <laughs> words or less so this is perfect i think just spoiler alert what i like about the meme if i can be a little indulgent is that isn't this entire podcast about us being indulgent yeah, but i'm asking like i'm putting magic so. shell on your chocolate cake or perfect. something i don't know that sounds bad no, it's fine. Okay. My chocolate cake brings all the pontificators to the yard. I say, I put magic shell on my spoonful of Nutella, so let's do this. As long as yeah. it's cold enough. That's a, that's fine. That sounds lovely. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a candy, like just a normal This is a candy candy. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. But what I do like I about it, about the meme, <laughs> is that, yes, a lot of people, we were joking, teehee, that no one talks about China. A lot of people talk about it but I don't really hear or don't often hear the things that really interest me about it as, mm. a, as a location and a concept yeah. um, scorpions on sticks yeah like that's, that's play whatever. soldiers yeah that's cool I guess 
cities with hundreds of millions of people in them. Not a huge fan of that, but to each his own and twelve lane highways. That sounds fine. Five G. Five G sounds good. Yeah. But if you can have all the five G in the world, but if you're Instagram censored, what's well, the point? Yeah, how many nudes can you send with that? Well. A lot. <laughs> Do the right channels. As long as you're not dressed. I'm sure China has a vibrant nude underground Ryan, but I, we can circle back to that. I can we start with the fact that they have almost a third of the world's population. Is that significant? Mm-hmm. How? How did they get so many people? That's a really great question. I've heard, so I've heard multiple things. Because they've been trying for a while to not have as many people. The whole one-child policy thing. Yes, yes, but that is relatively new. Yes, but before that, apparently they were having a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, I've heard, the reason why I'm hesitant to say what I'm about to say is because it was from a biased source. Yeah, listen, racists, yeah. you back off. Yeah, I'm definitely speaking to the racists out there yeah. for this. Shout out to my homies. Um, there's a huge... <laughs> it's from a biased source. The I, mean has a huge racist listener <laughs> contingent, so... Try to keep them happy. Try to keep the racists happy. It, it kind of works sometimes. Um, to our alt-right listener base. <laughs> All one of you. All one of you. I know this is an exercise for you, but you're doing great. What I was going to say is, I've heard that it was a pretty intentional decision at one point. To have more people? To have more people. Okay. The reason why you think it's... Was that like a Mao or pre-Mao? Yeah. This this source was more like anti-commie feeling. Yeah. If you don't know who Mao Zedong is, don't listen to this. I think that's fair. It's not our job to educate you. (laughs) (laughs) No, like, we've talked about China before, and Nick just, hey, inside baseball... Nick was like, don't teach everybody everything all the time. And I was like, fine. If you don't know who Mao Zedong is, then figure it out. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Cultural great. Revolution, Great Leap Forward, who cares? Yeah. Tiananmen Square. Remarkable face. Yeah. Really cute. Um, Long March. Mm-hmm. Loves it. And he was really into famines. He was really into saying, like, are you a doctor? Here's a shovel. Yeah, just things that don't even make sense. In terms, like it's like, and this brings me to my first point: China and communism. This is a great mm. little conversation. So, are they? Are they? Will they? Is she? We don't know. But the thing I hear all the time, whenever I bring up any slightly progressive, I know the words packed, leaning things, people are like, "But look at China." And how that turned out. China. And they're not wrong, because if you listen to China, I was telling you this earlier, China, and I'm exposing how dark of a human being I am, gave me an absolute iconic moment a couple days ago. I was watching, very briefly, a compilation of this Chinese... Wait, was this on YouTube? This was on YouTube. Okay. Um, How many hours per day would you say, would you guesstimate, that you spend on YouTube? Three or four. <laughs> three or four. I mean, okay, for, so for some of that, it's a lot of background listening. Listen, you're the best researcher I know. But yeah, some of it's this, which is, I watched this hour-long video essay, I guess, about China's ports and their Belt and Roads type 
policy, which we'll get into more later, but it talked about this Chinese social media influencer and she had been arrested for saying, I don't even know what, probably something very mundane. She probably said something like, I think, I, I think that every day should be, it's five o'clock somewhere. She probably, it's probably something really boring. <laughs> something trite. She's a social media influencer. She's not she like probably said poetry. working hard or hardly working yeah. hard. And they're like, wait, for whatever. Like, that sounds vaguely capitalist. Yeah, or something. <laughs> and so she was in prison and then they made her release all these videos, these apology uh, little shorts. And they were obviously filmed in prison. She did not look like a social media influencer, very messed up hair and everything. I don't know why I'm laughing. She looked like a prisoner? Yeah. Okay. I don't so know. What you're saying is her eyeliner game was not on point. Yeah. Like, it was, there was some, but has it been on there for like a couple Are you years? saying F her drag? No, I'm saying why is this iconic to me? Okay. And what it is, is they made her look at the camera and say, I'm a bad materialist girl, which... It's not funny because it's awful that she's in that situation, but that's such a weird, old school commie type thing. And with Mao, it's the exact same stuff. It that's probably in like a thirty-year-old handbook. They're yeah. like, and now we make her say, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which what does this even have to do with it? Like, was the comment that got her in prison that I'm a, a Cartesian dualist? Like, what was it that called her materialism into question? And and is it that she's bad because she's a materialist girl, or is she failing to be materialist enough? Exactly. And in what sense is that materialism? Is it that sort of philosophical materialism that the only things that exist can be touched? Or is it in the Madonna sense of, like, I'm going to buy a bunch of stuff because it's the 80s and we're winning the Cold War? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I still don't know. And well, I you brought it up. Yeah, well, I didn't watch a lot of it because it's obviously horrifying, and I was feeling very guilty for being like, wow, stunning. But then also, <laughs> but also being like, yikes, awful. But with Mao, even historically, it's like taking the blocks of communism and forcing it into this new, weird creature. And I think that's why all of the concepts and the big catchphrases get passed on. But the driving force, because at least, I've never said this before, but at least the Soviet Union was <laughs> like, Oh my God. Yeah, at least the Soviet Union was committed to, on, if I can just be honest, the aesthetic of communism. Because they nailed that. Listen up, Vlad. Yeah, just like the brutalism and the green unpatterned dresses and like angles yes gaunt androgyny yeah so you know who you guys need to kill right now everybody who owns land mm. you're welcome yeah also rocky mm -hmm. oh yeah the russians i must crush you so spooky they would go to any means to win mm -hmm. ivan drago his significant other was attractive yeah. Anyway. Mm -hmm. But they're at least committed to the aesthetic of it. Even in China now, recently, they've started taking down statues of Marx um, to put up statues of historical Chinese emperors. So, so, so this is important. China, the People's Republic of China, a communist dictatorship, is taking down statues of Karl Marx 
the father of communism. Mm -hmm. Why? I think the vision of China now is actually a radical departure even from Maoism. Because okay, okay, okay. I know this can't be history class, but I think we should probably say something about the difference between like Stalinism and Marxism, or just communism and Marx or mm -hmm. Maoism, like Marxism, Maoism, like. Are there any just quick bullet points? Quick bullet points. What is unique or special about Maoism? First of all, it's statist. So that's a huge thing that people conflate all the time. Marxist communism obviously has state mm -hmm. elements to it, but it doesn't have to include a strong centralized leadership. So uh, is it Stalinist in that way, that like mm -hmm. Stalin was a statist? And Lenin to an extent as mm -hmm. well. And they kind of take that statism and a form of nationalism as well, which is new. That's a new creature to Marxism. Because for Marxism, part of the narrative is because we don't have access to the means of production mm -hmm. or whatever, we're alienated. Yeah. As a species. And nations are one of those things that are used to like separate the haves from the have-nots. Yeah, because what we need to realize is that we're all the same species and we need to like deal with that alienation as a unit, not as divided nations. Because the proletariat's a proletariat. That's like the workers of the world unite. Yeah. Trotsky kind of stuff. Exactly. And Stalinism definitely tried to include that. That's why it was imperialist from its inception. But Maoism is much more domestic. Maoism had to be a much more radical makeover program because if you think about it, Marx is a Hegelian philosopher from Europe. Mao is in China after mm. British, you know what? Shenanigans. British shenanigans and mm -hmm. then hilarious Japanese shenanigans and just a lot of shenanigans. Not a lot of fun shenanigans. No. But they happened. Only yeah. vaguely terrifying shenanigans. For sure. And so Mao has a makeover program, so his policies are extreme, 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 extreme. So we talked about a little bit the Great Famine, the Great Leap Forward, giving nuclear physicists janitor jobs. It had You're to. Like, hey, you guys, you over there, you do this over there. Hey, you over there, you do this over here. I don't care who you are. We're reshuffling the deck. Mm -hmm. Everyone's equal. Good luck, everyone. Yeah. Mm. And a total cult of personality in terms of... Large portraits. Large portraits. It's a messiah-like leader wrapped in all the trappings of communal moving forward and whatever. And the other component to that makeover is extreme destruction of historical iconography of any kind so priceless chinese vases and artworks and architecture was destroyed and also banned that's where you get all the tibet nonsense which still so and... they're like hey this old china bad this new china good mm -hmm. where stalinism's like you can still read Dostoevsky because it's good. Like that's, mm -hmm. we're not completely divorcing. I mean, we're gonna edit a bunch of stuff, mm -hmm. but we're still Russian. 
Yeah. China's like, we're China, but we're a new China. Yeah. Um, and now, as a, after that quick little history lesson, I would say China isn't thinking that anymore. <laughs> I think China is saying, we want to go back to how things were. So China's almost trying to keep the political and economic structures of its reforms over the last 80 years, but it's trying to, and then for its identity, go back to its roots. It's like a VH1 documentary. It's like, and then they went back to their roots for their third album kind of thing. It's mm -hmm. like their first album was China. Their second album was uh, Marxist China. Their third album was Marxist somehow hyper-capitalist China. And then they're like, you know what? We need to return to our roots and be Chinese China. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take down these statues of Marx and we're going to put up, put up statues of... Emperors. Yeah. Important historical and military leaders from China's history. A lot of cultural things. I mean... Mulan. A lot of Mulan. I mean... That's a great point. The new Mulan is such a Chinese endeavor. Mm -hmm. Is that sanctioned by China. China? Yes. Like and funded by China. And funded by China. The lead the Mulan herself has condemned Hong Kong, thank God. But like mm -hmm. that was, that was nothing what, says freedom fighter. That was what we were all waiting for, I think. Nothing yes. says transgender freedom fighter. That's the element I wanted them to lead into. I was it's 2020. We don't need another Chinese CGI monster movie, but we're going to get one. I wanted, like, trans, or at least, is the guy gay or not? Because he fell in love with you when you were a dude. And then you're like, guess what? Important questions. Not answered. He's like, well, I still love you. I'm like, okay, but you were in love with him, right? Or am I reading into this too much? I think there was a real relationship there from the animated Mulan. Mm -hmm. By the way, lady who played animated Mulan, very nice. Oh, we got Ming Na Wen. Very nice oh, lady. I love her work. Yeah, she was Mulan. Mm -hmm. She was I like the voice. She bought me and a lot of other people a bunch of Patron one time, and I drank a lot of it, and then my wife was very mad at me because she was pregnant with our first child. Oops. <laughs> Oops. I have pictures. Wow. Mulan is such a bad influence. Yeah, Mulan basically bought like 400 shots of Patron. Because she got that Disney money. Gotta mm. love the Disney money. But when we say it's a very Chinese film, that brings up one of their main, I guess, what they're known for in popular culture, which is this completely transparent, like, intense lockdown on their image, or I don't know how to describe it, it's almost like... Like a paranoia? Anything. Anything that could even be remotely read as anti-Chinese or anti-the direction of China, more importantly, is... I wonder why they're so sensitive about that. Like, they're supposed to be this great world power they became in 30 years they became the world's factory they can make all this stuff and they have incredible influence and yet it seems like there's a touchiness like a like just like a fragility to their need for nobody to say anything bad like hey maybe there is a virus that might kill everybody that's kind of, that's in wuhan like oh no nope, nobody talk about that 
It's like, are you great or are you not great? Like, hey, if you're rich, you're buying the drinks. Yeah, but are they rich? That's the question. That's my honest question. That's the question. Tangent on a tangent. On a tangent. On a tangent. When, this is what I live for. When anyone talks about China in the international market and people say things like, oh, we owe China a bunch of debt for this, or this country is this millions of dollars in Chinese debt. My question, and maybe you can explain this to me, is who's going to make you do that? Like, what is currency on an international scale? Does that question make sense? Like, who, if you owe China money, but there's no, you're not two businessmen, you're two nations. Yeah. There's, well, that's why China has been accused by many people, including Mitt Romney, of currency manipulation. Uh, that was one of his big things in 2012. And it's true, they do a lot of weird things with their currency to help their own businesses and to hurt competitors' businesses. So China, in part, one of the things that they illustrate is that money is a social construct, right? That's mm -hmm. what it is. It's something we all agree has value, and if we agree it has more value than it does, and if we agree that it has less value than it does. Like, that's... I mean, that seems overly simplistic, but that's mm -hmm. at its base what it's a, it's a contract, it's an agreement. And so China, you know, has invested a lot in other countries and other countries have invested a lot in China. And so it makes it complex because China can kind of say what its currency is to itself, but also that's obviously going to affect the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. um, so it's messy. Very messy. Like really messy. Very messy. And it's one of those things where it's obvious but china yes has a lot of economic power because like you said it's a major manufacturer it's like the mm -hmm. manufacturer not that there aren't others but it's the michael jordan of manufacturing and they kill it and it's a banger and everyone loves manufacturing in china but I, my question's always like, if everyone hates you though, no one is going to buy anything from you and all you do- Unless they have no other choice. Unless they have no other choice. <clears throat> and that's the scary conversation. But mm -hmm. in a perfect world, it would be, everyone hates you. Vietnam, Korea, Taiwan. India. We'll do India. anything, bye, mm -hmm. like, just get out of here. Mexico if we have to. Yeah. Lord, <laughs> anything but building factories here. There's just not enough room. <laughs> Have you been to Kansas? Arizona, man. Don't uh, get me started on Wyoming. Yeah, it's New like Mexico. packed car to car. Little Southwest is just coyotes yeah. at the moon. Not factory land. Get that out of here. <laughs> I'm just, I'm having flashbacks to that uh, mildly poignant moment in Hotel Rwanda when Joaquin Phoenix is talking to um, Don Cheadle's character. Totally forgot Joaquin Phoenix was in that. Yeah, he was the uh, the cameraman who uh, they sneak out and they get the footage of people getting just ripped up by machetes. Mm. And Don Cheadle's all excited. He said, you got the footage out. Americans will see this. Europeans will see this. They'll know what's happening. They'll come. And he says, I think people will see this on the 5 o'clock news while they're eating dinner. And they're going to say, wow, that's terrible. And then they're going to continue eating dinner, and uh, they're going to go on with their lives. 
And that's what I wonder, you know, I, I've been seeing a lot of outrage about China as of late and some companies making, and I genuinely don't know how much of it is a politicized, I want to be seen making an effort to move my manufacturing out of China. Look, I have a factory in India now, I have a factory in America now, whatever it may be. Um, how much of that is real viable future planning and how much of it is I just want to seem relevant at the moment, but realistically, we're just going to wait for all this to blow over and everyone still wants the Walmart-priced toilet seat uh, and they don't want to pay for whatever it would cost to manufacture it in their local country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I think that's a good point. Like, China has made itself into a capitalist, a pseudo-capitalist <clears throat> factory nation of the world like most of the stuff that walmart sells is in some way tied to china um china has incredible power because of this the nba has kind of the nba is super duper woke when it comes to domestic politics whether it's lebron james tweeting that hey this poor african-american gentleman was gunned down by these vigilante people who think they're in charge of other people and they're murderers and LeBron James will tweet about that but he will not touch China and no major person if someone from the NBA touches China it's a no-no it, it mm -hmm. immediately gets shut down China is that powerful is that influential that yes let's talk about injustice but let's not talk about China let's not talk about Hong Kong let's not talk about the Uyghurs let's not talk about slave labor and factories let's not talk about any of that because they are too important and they are too strategic and even in our american jingoistic movies like top gun 2 maverick we're going to remove the anti-china mm -hmm. patch logo whatever from the jacket because we don't want to upset uh the man that some call winnie the pooh um uh, xi jinping the chairman and the the leader of China. It's it's this incredible mixture of immense power and seemingly unlimited fragility. Of we cannot stand to be shamed. We cannot stand to be challenged. We cannot seem stand to be even challenged. And it's weird. It's just weird. China is a weird mixture of things. Like for a communist regime, let's just get to the point. For a communist regime to also be one of the most successful capitalist enterprises of all time, that's weird. Mm. For a society that's completely dedicated to sort of a social, we are us mentality of like almost anti-individualism, for, for it to be steered, for it to be determined by a very small handful of people and their thoughts and opinions, that's also kind of a weird thing. For an ancient society that is grounded in amazing art and literature and inventions and trade and goods and et cetera, et cetera, for that to be like a almost techno kind of advanced, like the, the powerhouse of so many different technical move, movements or, or, or technological move, movements when you, talk, when you think about cryptocurrencies and things of that nature, it's just this basket of of contradictions so it's hard to kind of put a finger on it to be honest mm -hmm. but what is clear is that the united states contains many people who are either afraid of china or at least don't want to cross china like, yeah that seems to be the case 
I think it's because they wept. I think the fragility is also part of the reasoning behind that. And what that is, is they hold, to be really metaphorical, a double-sided blade of capitalism. They have found, I don't know if this is a happy accident or if it was an intentional crypto-Marxist super conspiracy, but they weaponize capitalism to such an extent, almost a realization of, oh, we can do all these weird things, but for all of these Western countries with ideals and with bills of rights and movies about being free and being an individual, we can let these people be completely supplied by us, know everything that we do, or actually they're so good at not telling people, we only know about these things. I can't imagine what is unknown to the other things to Western eyes, but they were like, the one thing that rules them all is money. If Disney feels like something's not going to make money, it doesn't matter what it's about. If the NBA feels like it's going to lose money by losing a Chinese market, it doesn't matter what Hong Kong's about because that's what the NBA is about. When it, and I'm not saying that's what everything's only about, but it seems like that's the most sacred. Or that's they're the most... certainly making people in the Western world, particularly the United States, but also Europe, making people decide what is more important. Things like democracy, human rights, like protections for basic, just standards of living, uh, non-genocidal policy. Yeah. Or the capitalism that has allowed the West to thrive and even become dominant. Like, which one of these things will you choose? Will you choose the economic system that has fueled your rise to power? Or will you choose the uh, system of culture and governance that sort of legitimates your rise to power? And I might say his name wrong, but guess what, Fukuyama? Is that the end of history guy? Yeah. China did the thing that I grew up hearing all the time which is democracy and capitalism have to go hand in hand you can't have capitalism without democracy and i don't know if people would say as strong the other side but i'm sure they would probably say that yeah fukuyama said basically that countries i mean the the most charitable reading of what he said is Countries that have McDonald's are less likely to get in wars with each other. Yeah, and that, I'm not even critiquing that, but I think he represented this capital capitalist realism where we won the Cold War, we know now that capitalism is the way to go. Yep. And, and it will bring about democracy. And it will bring about democracy, so we don't even need to do the whole Marshall Plan thing, which was kind of capitalist in its nature anyways, but that was a lot more ideological. It was more, if we can just get our... KFCs in Dubai, yeah. then Dubai will stop. If having... everyone's wearing Levi's, they're not going to want to be in a yeah. war with us. There won't be any slavery when people have jeans on in Dubai, just like now in the real world. Um, and the, I'm sorry, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but they, China now has said, look, we are a powerhouse in terms of capitalism, and we absolutely do not have democracy. We don't even say we do. We no. don't need, we're not even. The, we know what the people want. Yeah. 
it's it's a because they still have communist infrastructure but that is where the fragility comes because they're handling i think internally there must be an extreme like a hard balance to find between we're doing these huge investment projects port building trade routes highways industry but we're really still communist because that's because the communist thing is a domestic control system that's how i do yeah. it and this is all these things we're doing are for all of us mm -hmm. so because part of the deal with this power of china is that they have to sacrifice their public order i guess they kind of have i've been playing some war games but if you work your populace like that it's a lot different to control and it must be scarier to know, wow, if people really found out that everyone else in the world doesn't have to work in conditions like this, or it isn't wrong to think, I probably should be able to see my children or not be in hell all the time or things like that. Or if you happen to be a Buddhist in Tibet or any number of people. That, or now India not wanting to be invaded by Chinese troops. Like, yes. And also no Muslims like, anywhere. I don't know what's going on with that. But it's it's just weird to me. But I do think it comes from that we have to wield capitalism because it's giving us all this power. And to be really clear about that, enough power that recently when the EU voted to be like, we're going to start initiatives to start getting China out of our investments and stuff. A bunch of representatives not from the weird crazy crowd like Hungary, Turkey, but like Portugal and Italy, places that have over 10 Chinese ports on them. Lots of seafood. And seafood, mm. I guess, are like, no, you can't do that. And this wasn't a, even, let's be the most charitable, let's say every awful thing that's happening in China right now is extreme propaganda from yeah. the Americans. Let's yeah. really say that's the world we live in. No concentration camps, no organ harvesting, no, no slave labor. No slave labor. Even then, their self-described political system should be abhorrent to American companies. Yes. Even then, like if none of that was happening, they still operate in a, it's still a dictatorship. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when you go to business with China, you are going to business with a dictatorship yes and i think there has been those questions to the forefront those have been pushed up to the forefront of way back when when all these labor deals were juicy and lucrative it was i guess so lucrative that china's awful political nature was just not on the table that's where i want to go back in time yeah, and I think it, it wasn't taken seriously at first because it's mm -hmm. like, well, let them do their thing. They're serving us. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we're designing this stuff. We're buying this stuff. They're serving us. And I think as China became more and more successful, more and more rich, more and more powerful, now they're serving us, but we're also serving them. Mm -hmm. They can kind of lay all their cards on the table and say, no, you have to pay us because we make all your stuff. Yeah. And I think that's a new, I think it's a new feeling. I don't think that 15 years ago, many American companies, brands, organizations were feeling 
a sense of gravitational pull from China, but that's certainly the case for many of them now. And I think that China is really putting to the test whether or not there is anything that American businesses, organizations, institutions, consumers value over the best numerical deal. Like the cheapest goods, the cheapest manufacturing, the best supply chains. Is there anything that is more important than that? And I think that will be a test. I think it'll be a test. And I think the, the COVID-19 thing puts all of that in even starker contrast of like, are there things that are more important than getting the best price? That's a, and they're not even a lot of these things. The NBA is a great example, but the NBA, from what I've read, it's only like 5% Yes. of their overall revenue was from Chinese markets anyways. Are you, is that real? That's what I... It's the, it's, I'm a pretty big NBA fan. It's the potential. It's the, oh, we could grow this into something beyond. Yeah, that's even scarier because yeah. it's not like, oh, the lights are going to go yeah. off. if, Ch if It's not what they're China. giving us now. It's what they'll be giving us in 10 years. Yeah, mm -hmm. which is great. But also now, and I think... The most disappointing are is the film slash game industry. Anything that has narratives, because it hurts me deeply to see companies, Disney, Marvel, um, Blizzard, Riot, Riot. Riot's been pretty good about it, but I don't think they've pumped the dragon yet. But Blizzard in particular, as you know, they basically X list or blacklisted a Hearthstone tournament winner for saying pro Hong Kong things and fired all of the announcers that were there. It was like a huge thing and made this public apology and then kind of apologized it to the Western audience. But why that's even weirder to me than the NBA is the NBA doesn't make video games about, if you think of Blizzard, like I'm a hero and these people are bad because they're dictators. Yeah. If that's your game, then what it's it's like it exposes, I guess, the underbelly of what these organizations really value, like you said. And the scariest things for Blizzard and NBA is like if you were a steel manufacturer, I understand why you feel like your balls are in a vice grip with this. Because you've probably you've been doing business with China for probably two decades now. Yeah. And that would be a huge overhaul. I'm not saying it's impossible, but for future expansion market potential stuff, it's almost unforgivable to me yeah. to like do that. Yeah, like imagine you're a car company who knows you can sell a certain number of cars in North America and Europe. And if you have access to China, you can double that number. And it's like, okay, what do I have to do? And China's like, well, you just have to not say stuff about us. At first, that's like a great deal. It's like, yeah. well, I don't know much about you anyway, so why would I say anything about you? Well, I also think it plays with another narrative, a more libertarian one, and not in a disrespectful way, but I feel like a lot of libertarians would say 
money in a free, 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 free market situation is almost a sign of support, literally. So yeah. when you, in a free market situation, you'd be giving your support to a company that you believe in. That's like a lot of the language. So for me, that that question would be really tempting, but I see it as not even China's gonna, you know, you're gonna have to pay the devil when he comes back, but by giving, by saying yes, it's not that, oh, my products are magically cheaper. You have to know, how are these products magically cheaper? Why is it so much cheaper to ship something across an ocean to where I am than to get people to make it here? And if, if you couldn't make, if you couldn't connect the dots to be like, it's probably because people aren't being paid anything and throwing themselves off the top of buildings. Stuff like that, like those are my real questions of do you is is am I wrong to think that by agreeing to support a government financially, you're kind of in some way agreeing to their policies? Yeah, I, I think that's the, the question is to what extent by doing business with companies in a country, are you implicitly supporting and undergirding the culture and governing policies of that nation, mm -hmm. right? And to a certain extent, free trade is this great thing that opens things up and makes the world a better place because you're having interchange with people and there's more understanding and mutual interdependence and all that great stuff. But on another, on the other side, on the other hand, you are implicitly in some way supporting systems of governance, et cetera, that you probably deeply disagree with. Mm -hmm. And that's a downside of globalization, period. Not just with China, but with yeah. everywhere. But we're also totally fine with blockading places like Cuba that have no economic value to us. There's mm -hmm. no free trade, even though we don't like it, North Cuba Korea. or North Korea. We're very much like, no, you're, the way you run your countries is abhorrent to yeah. us, and so we will not do business with you. But with China, there seems to have been this thing where it's like, I guess if the if the prize is juicy enough, actually we don't care. That is what. It yeah, is. we're obviously not moral absolutists, we're, and we're obviously willing to say, hey, this stuff is bad over here because it doesn't cost us that much, but over here it would cost us a lot, and so mm -hmm. we're not. It's not that important. Yeah, and doubly true for China because they're all state-run companies. So it's not even the illusion of, this is just a crazy business dude in China. It's this person is in charge of this corporation because of the government in China. Yes. And and directly feeds into what So you're almost doing. directly doing business with the government of China. Yes. Well, all business with China is business with the treasury of China. Yeah. They control all businesses. So that's... That's just my question. That's what I want to know. I just want to sit down with the Disney bros and be like, did that just, when you're making puppy movies and when you make cars for, are you going to be like, we're a family company, also this, all of this. That's kind of my question. And I don't want to be the party pooper. Yeah. And I wouldn't say this out at a Disney movie and I'll go see Disney movies. But there's just that question in the back of my mind of yeah to a certain extent like to what extent does the american kind of 
economic freedom thing eventually come back and undermine the American cultural government citizen freedom thing. Because those two things, China, what China has done is proven those things don't have to go together. You can have a totalitarian dictatorship that is deeply capitalist. So now we know. We didn't think that was possible, or a lot of us didn't. As Jeff Goldblum said, life finds a way. Yes, life uh, finds a way. And I, I think an interesting place to leave it is with a question of what does it even mean that China is a thing, right? If China is ancient and it's modern, if it's grounded and it's technological, if it's communist and it's capitalist, if it's deeply communitarian, but also run by a very small group of people who kind of make all the calls, if it's not for Hong Kong, but it needs the business of the United States, like, I think my question is just, what is China about? Like, what is the, what's the stuff? What's the essence? Like, what is its sine qua non? Like, if ours has been revealed to be like a heartless, soulless capitalism, like what is China's? It's a cultural. This is a super hot take, and I've obviously never been to China, so coming up, coming down. <laughs> this the is top the hottest rope. take. This is burning my lips as it's coming out. Um, I think their cultural history, their legacy, demands so much from them. It is something that as a Western person, because of the Enlightenment and because of kind of, for better or worse, we don't really have a history or we don't really have a culture or X, Y, and Z. Um, but for China, the years that Britain was there is called, you know, in China, the century of shame. Mm. There's an element of you can't go from the regality, the control, the breadth, and the history, not only the history of beautiful kingdoms or whatever, but a history of being the prom queen of the international world. Everyone wanted to go to China. That's why we went to America. That's why we tried to go around whatever. And the Portuguese were the only people who were like, I'm actually just going to sail around Africa. You guys figure it out. And that's how they survived as a country for so long it was important to get to china that's how the ottoman empire even had authority was their access to chinese markets so this is not like a new issue with the west of china's being weird china's always been the prom queen in this mm -hmm. situation and let's be honest the tea mm -hmm. is the tea yeah the tea the spices the porcelain thank god we learned how to make porcelain but after a while, those things weren't as important and they weren't as hard to get. Porcelain, spices, no one's really doing opium anymore. Sorry about it. It was fun while it lasted. Meth time. <laughs> yeah, we're much into, much more into meth now. Um, but I think China wants to be that again. Their policies are situated in a way the entire program of all of those African ports 
all of the ports in the Middle East, all of the ports on the west side of Europe. All the investment in various countries and trade routes and the World Health Organization and mm -hmm. such. Large buyouts of Australian water mm -hmm. companies. I and, mean, cultural hegemony, really. Mm -hmm. And infiltration, which sounds really negative, and I don't want it to sound like the Chinese are... As a people, I know for sure that they're exactly like us, and the majority of them probably, if they know or if they can know, not super thrilled about everything that's going on. But in terms of the government, I just see it as we're building the road again. That's literally what our initiatives are called. Yeah. We are establishing the fact that if you want to do business with us, we have now made it it's not even just about manufacturing. We have all the ports. Yeah. We have all the trade routes. So even if you don't do business with us, you're going to be paying us regardless. So. Yeah, I think like what Nick is saying here is that what China is really saying at the end of the day is when will my reflection show who I am inside? Yeah. China needs to learn in some way, or at least the government, let's say this, the government push of China needs to learn. Empires suck. We all learn that. Everyone's, I think, learned that, hopefully. It sounds great. It's great on the way up. It feels good. <laughs> it's like a great high, man. Yeah. You feel like you're top of the world. Empire is a hell of a drug. But it then, seemed like a good idea at the time. And then the population start being like, Bleh. and you're doing this with Africa, which has never worked out for anybody, <laughs> not even you. And it's just most of that. And I think for America, the thing we need to learn is that I don't think we're a soulless capitalist wasteland. I think that when we established these things, which I don't even think we did consciously, I think mm -hmm. they more existed, we understood and Teddy, is a great example of this that if capitalism exists in our society it's for us like we yeah. have it to make our lives better and if there's ever a time where it's not making our lives better we're not pledging our allegiance to capitalism it, we're still an america we're still a republic and as citizens we can enjoy the benefits of a free market and when we don't like it and things we can say not in my church not in my school yeah. Not in my whatever, you don't want it in. We can say that. But that seems to be forgotten at the higher calculus thinking of trade and all of these huge numbers. Those small individuals, it's almost exactly like China. There's just like a few CEO boardroom meetings that made us be in this situation. And that's, yeah, sorry, it's a rant. But yeah, that's great. That's my call. I think, that's a good place to leave it. Just remember, China, if you ever figure it out, if you ever put it all together, mm -hmm. you'll bring honor to us all. This has been uh, Ryan and Nick and Rick, and we will uh, talk to you next time. See you in Amazon prison in 40 years. Shush sure, sure. Bye.